0: Christians, here's another one. This is twice in a week, Christians. What what's going on? What's go, I thought we, I, we had this conversation last Sunday. I told you to keep them in check, right? Now we have another one. The hell's going on over there? You, what? I understand the priest situation, okay? You guys are trying to handle that, not doing a really good job. But now we've got fucking serial killers, serial fucking killers, people. Ser- Christians, we have serial killers. What is going on? You know what I mean? Like, come on guys, come on. Talk to, talk to your God, talk to your savior, fig- fig- figure something out. Figure something out, because right now you're two for two in the first two weeks of ever doing an episode. Like, Well, not ever doing an episode, but two for two in the first two weeks of the start of Serial Killer Sunday. What is going on? <laughs>
1: Yes, my mama, I'ma eat you like Jeff Dahmer. Say she on a period, let's make a mess, mama.
0: I desensitize myself to it. I, 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 uh. I don't know, I went to great lengths. Never did I, I was that? Knew it would be
1: this easy. How to off that shit greasy. they will be the nigga shit cheesy. People said to get my corner when I turn around, oh, it's just me, Everybody wanna get away from me because I got heebie jeebies masked up like Michael. That game on the Halloween do with the sexual parts? I wouldn't enjoy it see. How long ago did this start? To, like I say, what right before you? Butt naked in your neighbor's pool. I stay standing while I'm face fucking the decapitating skulls. You ever seen that before? Freak nasty gore. I need asking laws. It
0: was a freak show. <laughs> what do you do? Try anything and you cancel, bro.
1: I'm fixing ain't and breaking this little chick's neck like a pixie stick, the six, Satan worshipping bitches, get horse whipping some in the back, through the back, door, slipping through the crack, leaving the courts, dripping the more tissue of love, sent from above, forced and treat them more winchy the more stingy I become. Been doing this for more than a quarter century. I'm just rolling my dreaming Is it real? Someone pinch me on the buns. Do you feel blame? Are you mad? Uh, do you feel like Wooskabab is right Get friends Boobs 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 Boobs
0: Boobs 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 Boobs
1: Welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show. I'm Big D and you are listening to the number one podcast On the internet, you are listening to the number one podcast in the horror genre. You are listening to the number one podcast with the number one host, Dusty McBalls. And on today's episode of Serial Killer Sunday, he will be sharing the story of the I-5 Bandit or formerly known as Randall Woodfield, a serial killer that resides in Oregon and he would rape, kill, and rob women. He was also a former NFL wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. So, with all of that boring shit out of the way, sit back, relax, and allow me to introduce your host for this evening's show, Dusty McBalls, the Certified Cougar Hunter, and your host with the most. Now shut up and enjoy this show.
0: Thank you, Big D, for that beautiful intro. Once again, coming back at it. Um, like he said in the intro, it is Serial Killer Sunday. We are doing a, you know, interesting serial killer—not one that we have dealt with before. This, yeah, Randall Woodfield is different. He is just different, and we, you'll 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 figure out why. But this dude had. Nothing, he didn't grow up in a terrible family, nothing like that. So this is strictly, he was pretty much born this way. This is one of those cases, and I think it's the first serial killer on this channel where it could actually be tied to him being born this way. So, as this episode goes on, and you are like, thinking about him, and what he's done, just keep that in mind, okay? Because that's one of the biggest debates within the serial killer world, I personally think, is if these serial killers, these people, are born this way, or if they are raised this way. And he is one of those people that was, I believe, born this way. So, get those Crocs on. We're going to Oregon, right? Oregon or Oregon. I don't know. I'm sorry. They're going to get... All of my Oregon fans are going to get super, super upset because they just... They're going to be yelling at their stereo system or their headphones thinking, you know, bro, it's Oregon or it's Oregon. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. I'm not from there. Right. And I don't know anybody that went there. Okay. So I apologize. It's not my fault. I mispronounce words all the time. It's okay. All right. But yeah, this guy's weird. This guy's real weird. He had a lot of, a lot of issues. And this one, I'm going to come out and say it. My research research. was a little shaky on this one just because I had so many. It's kind of like the William Seabrook um, episode that I did on Friday. I had so many like, people, well, not people, but sources contradicting each other. And I had to try and piece it together to make sense of what everything was being said. So there is going to be a huge lapse at one point within this story. Of where I had no fucking clue. And none of my sources were basically telling me what the heck is going on. Someone said this girl was dead. Like a bunch of sources said this specific girl was dead. But then other sources said she was alive and she helped him. You know, come like get caught and picked out of a police lineup. So yeah, it's just it's just weird. But get those crocs on. We're going to Oregon. It's going to be a good episode. Um, get something to drink get a snack, get dug in for a little while, okay? We're going to be here, right? I don't know how long, but we're going to be here for a little while, all right? So, without further ado, let's get into this weird story about this really different serial killer, Randall Woodfield. Now, Randall Woodfield was born on December 26th, 1950, in Salem, Oregon. Randall was the youngest born into an upper-middle-class family. His dad was an executive at a phone company called Pacific Northwest Bell, and his mother was a homemaker. He also had two older sisters, one of which grew up to become a doctor, and the other one turned out to become a lawyer. Randall was raised in Otter, I don't know why I said Outer, Otter Rock, Oregon, and his upbringing is surprisingly shocking. Like, everything that's you know, typical to serial killers, he didn't have. Like you know, most serial killers on this channel that we have done came from abusive households, abusive households, neglect, abandonment. Usually, I don't want to be rude, but a loser in high school, and you know, just other shit like that. Like they were just weird, right? But Randall's upbringing was completely the opposite. He had two parents that loved him. Two parents that didn't abuse him and his family was well-known and well-regarded within their little tight-knit community. Like, this was a relatively normal family. No typical serial killer shit. Randall was even very, like, very popular in high school. But, if you know this channel and you know the kind of stories I share... I wouldn't just do an episode on someone who isn't weird, especially on a Serial Killer Sunday episode. No, 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 sir. No, no, no. And Randall was weird. And surprisingly, he was the only weird one within his family. But before we get into how truly weird and terrifying he got, let's go back to when he was in high school where all of this shit started happening now when randall was in school he excelled in all of his classes he ran track was a star football player and he was very good looking like drop dead gorgeous and very suave with the ladies now that's not coming for me okay I'm just telling you what the majority of my sources said. They said he was a very good-looking dude, and a lot of his teammates was like, yeah, this dude had a thing for the women. Oh, they loved him. Oh, they wanted to be with him. They wanted his little wiener just slapping around their tonsils like a punching bag. That's that's the kind of guy he was. That's what they were saying about him, okay? I don't know, okay? I don't know if it's true, all right? But... I'm just going off of what other people said about him, okay? The only issue that he had in high school, and (laughs) this is going to be a theme throughout his fucking story, he had the tendency to just flash women his genitalia. Whip out his dong and just start waving it around like it's a fucking circus act. That's what he did. That was his whole thing. I don't know why he had a thing for flashing the ladies, but it's just what Big Randy did. Oh, I didn't like that. Big Randy, ew. That's just what Randy did, okay? And the first encounter, sorry, I don't know why I took a long pause, but the first encounter of when when he was just stripping naked and showing the ladies his goods was on a high school night. He decided to go stand on a bridge and flash himself to female passerbys now i don't know why he did it and it never really came out but he was arrested for it and was sent to you know a therapist by his parents now i'm gonna get a little upset here in a second but i want to backtrack because people are like well Maybe he was dared by his friends to do it. No, guys and gals, he was completely alone. He was the only one arrested. Nobody was there. He was just out there on a bridge just freely showing himself off to people, which is not normal, okay? I mean, if it's a prank, like if you're part of the Jackass crew, obviously it's funny because they do dumb shit like that all the time, but they do it collectively as a group, Like, you know, a little bit of a prank. No, this guy physically just did it by himself because he wanted to do it and wanted to show women his, you know, four-inch wiener, right? His his dong dingler. I don't know. That was weird. I didn't like that one. But this is where I get a little upset because when this therapist that his parents sent, sent him to, rather than acknowledging it as an issue... Because, well, it it is an issue. No 14-year-old high schooler should be flashing women, you know, by themselves on a bridge. And this therapist, this fucking therapist, decided to tell his parents and Randall himself that he's exploring his sexuality. What? What the... What what does that even mean? How does flashing people equate to exploring your sexuality? The fuck? What? That doesn't make any sense. I'm so confused, so, so confused. So I guess guys and girls, I guess if you don't know if you're straight, gay or bi, just Instead of, like, if you are feeling uncomfortable with, like, you know, going out there and trying to date either same-sex or opposite-sex, you know. Because, you know, dating can be scary, especially if you're gay. Now, I know it's more accepted in today's time, in today's economy, but, you know, it's still still scary because you don't want to get made fun of. You don't want to be, you know, heckled and stuff like that. You don't want to be beat up for being gay. And I understand that. I totally understand that. So maybe this... Maybe this situation will help you out. Instead of, you know, going out to the bar, a gay bar, or whatever, and trying to figure out if you like, you know, men or women, just go to a bridge, or go out in public, and just flash people, right? Just show them the goods. Because I guess that is a way of exploring your sexuality. Because I'm just so fucking confused, right? Unlike How, how did that therapist come up with a diagnosis and like say, oh yeah, no, that's, that's, that's totally okay. It's totally okay. And why, why is the therapist justifying his weird and creepy actions? Like that's, that's like, not like I'm 23, right? Zero kids. But if I had a kid and my son, or daughter, started flashing people, I would be so fucking confused, and be like, yo, that is not okay, you just don't go out and do that, every normal person would just be like, oh, totally, just don't do that, and like, let's say, I did go to a therapist, and they're like, oh, no, he's just exploring his sexuality, immediately, I would go get a fucking second opinion, right, but for some reason, Randall's parents which I think is almost worse than the therapist saying he's exploring sexuality. Well, maybe may, oh, maybe not. Maybe not, because that therapist shows lack of fucking knowledge within the therapy field, I guess is what you would say. I don't know. But it's just like, maybe that therapist is just stupid and misinforming people on a bunch of other shit. Then again, this was around, like, the mid 60s i would believe maybe late 60s when he was in high school but his parents didn't take him to go see a you know another therapist to get a second opinion i totally would have done that cuz to me it just doesn't seem normal and obviously maybe that therapist was just looking for a um what is it What is it? What is it? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Fuck. Maybe that therapist is just trying to get money and just doesn't really care about, you know, their job. Like, they went through all the schooling. They did all the shit. And, you know, that's just what he does, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sorry, there was a bunch of long pauses there because I was trying to think of what I was going to say. But almost worse than his dad not taking him to second you know to get a second opinion and to get a new therapist or you know try and figure it out the after he was sent to not sent to but after he went through I was arrested and went through all like the legal stuff about this his doc his coaches um according to law officials they didn't tell anybody about the situation and they tried to cover it. They knew about it. They knew what he had done and they tried to cover it and didn't fucking care. And they wanted, they basically did it to protect him because well will end themselves because he was their star receiver. And they literally defended him by saying that was, that it was just a lapse in impulse control. What the fuck? Right. Listen, I speak I think I speak for like most of the coaches out there and everything like that. I don't care how good a team is. Especially if I was a coach, I don't care how good my team is if my star fucking player started flashing people, I would have kicked him off the team. Cuz it's not fucking normal and it, I don't know how anything didn't get out. If I'm being honest, I don't know how it didn't get out. I don't know how everybody was able to keep it a secret. Because even for big towns. Well, I know small towns because I used to live in a small town. It you know, everything just gets spreads around within a day. Especially at school. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody in the town. It just Yeah, it's it's I hated it. I mean if that's your thing and you like living in a small town, but like personally for me, I hated it. It was not fun. And oh I just I would have kicked him off the team. Personally saying, I would have kicked him off the team and wouldn't have really cared. I don't care if you're a star player, bro. Your actions kind of reflect us and the team and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And it's just, yeah, I would have been so fucking upset and I wouldn't wouldn't have kept him. I really wouldn't have. And when he turned 18, this was on his record. When he turned 18, his juvenile record... Was expunged, which basically means cleared, erased, deleted, gone, not existent. Everything was wiped, and he had nothing on there. So, and this will, this helped him a lot, especially when he went to college, and when he went to into the NFL. Okay, but he still like this is just going to be a reoccurring theme for up until he starts murdering people. He would just flash people in high school, flash people in college, and when he made it to the NFL, he was still doing the same fucking thing. He was doing the same fucking thing. Now, once Randall graduated from high school, he went, to, he went on to attend Treasure Valley Community College in Oregon, where he would only stay there for one season before transferring to Portland State University. Now, while Randall was attending Treasure Valley, he was once again arrested, but not for indecent exposure. This time, it was actually because he ransacked an ex-girlfriend's house. Now, I couldn't find out the specifics on what truly happened or why he did it, but once he got arrested and was sent to trial, he got basically acquitted of all charges Because the jury didn't have enough evidence to, you know, put him in jail for assault or anything like that. They just had nothing on him. And this is where his life started to become a tiny bit more violent, a tiny bit more controlling. This is where I believe the ball truly started rolling. And after he transferred from Treasure Valley to Portland State, Woodfield would then join the on-campus... Cr- oh, God, really? I forgot I wrote this part. Woodfield would join the Campus Crusade for Christ. People... Oh, my God. Christians, here's another one. This is twice in a week, Christians. What What's going on? What's go- I thought we, I, we had this conversation last Sunday. I told you to keep them in check, right? Now we have another one. The hell's going on over there? You, what? I understand the priest situation, okay? You guys are trying to handle that, not doing a really good job. But now we've got fucking serial killers, serial fucking killers, people, Ser- Christians. We have serial killers. What is going on? You know what I mean? Like, come on, guys, come on. Talk, to, talk to your God, talk to your Savior. Figure, fig- figure something out. Figure something out, because right now you're two for two in the first two weeks of ever doing an episode. Like, Well, not ever doing an episode, but two for two in the first two weeks of the start of Serial Killer Sunday. What is going on? What's going on? I, I, I can't answer that for you because I'm not I'm not into religion. I don't know. All right, but okay, for the new viewers, it's that doesn't mean I don't believe in a universal God or whatever, okay? I just don't follow the Bible. Personally, I think it is, um, taught wrong, and it's self-interpreted, and a lot of people get fucking weird after reading shit like that for some reason. Ex- examples? Exam- you want- oh, do you want some examples? Um, cults, number one. A lot of cults and Christianity kind of tie together. Um, two, serial killers, um, two for two right now, first two weeks, uh, a little concerning. Just a little bit, right? Not a little bit, but cults and serial killers, I'm very concerned, okay? So, no. And plus, every a lot of Christians that I've run into, because I am fully tatted, I have been told I'm not getting into heaven because of my tattoos. So, no thank you, right? I'm just gonna do me and have my own beliefs, all right? Now, after he decided to join the fucking Christian crusade, whatever, um, he would also be arrested again. Twice, fucking twice for indecent exposure. I, I. This one's on you Christians. I'm not doing any fucking thing over here. Okay, I'm sorry. I know I'm giving you guys a lot of shit, and it's, I know it's it's all jokes, but it's it's kind of funny that you guys are two for two right now. I'm just saying, you guys are two for two. Okay, now Ron Stratton, coach at PSU, Portland State University would come out and tell reporters that he didn't recruit Randall and he didn't know or hear about those arrests until years later. He also said if he had been known, well, if not been known, if he had known, he would have, lost my spot, he would have said something to any NFL teams that were interested in Randall. But since coach Ron didn't know and no one seemed to care or inform important people about Randall's weird sexual deviances Randall would go on and get drafted in 1974 by the Green (sighs) Bay by the Green Bay Packers the fucking Green Bay Packers in the 17th round and he was the 428th overall pick okay now I got a bone to pick with Wisconsin. Listen, I love Wisconsin, all right? Specifically, hold on, I got to take a drink. It's it's, mountain, it's Diet Mountain Dew, all right? I'm trying to cut back. I only weigh 160 pounds, and I'm 6'2", but I got to cut back a little bit, you know what I mean? Just trying to wet my whistle. So, Wisconsin, your track record with serial killers. Now, even though he didn't kill here, I'm spoiling a little bit in the future, he didn't kill here, but he was there. Why in the fuck do a lot of serial killers come from Wisconsin? Now, listen, okay? Y'all had the Slender Man killing, right? I did an episode on that that's really, really interesting. Go back and listen to it. It's kind of bad, so I might have to redo it a little bit because it's not as, you know, um, fluid as my episodes are now. But y'all had the Slender Man killing, so... I mean, even though those were kids, still believed in urban legend. That is not fucking true. And then... You guys had Jeffrey Dahmer and Ed Gein, now Randall fucking Woodfield. Even though this it was Randall was pre-serial killer time in his life, he was still a serial killer. You got y'all had 3 in your state at one fucking point. <sighs> guys, Wisconsin. I love you, okay? You are one of my top people in my podcast ranking, right? We'll get to you guys. I love you guys. We'll get to you guys and we'll do something good. But listen, you you guys got to figure your shit out too. I don't know what the fuck's going on over there. How do you guys have so many fucking serial killers? And two of them are extremely notorious, probably the two worst in US history of serial killers. And if you're wondering, Dusty, who the fuck are you talking about? Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer both cannibals and both totally OTS off the shits. Okay. What's going on, Green Bay? Not Green Bay, Wisconsin. What's going on? Do we do do we need more mental health facilities over there so you guys can check your people? Cause holy shit Chicago had two Well, okay, maybe just the Midwest is fucked up in general. Now that I'm thinking about it. Cause you got fucking Wisconsin, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ed Gein, Chicago, John Wayne Gacy, and, oh, uh, who's the other one, H.H. Holmes, which, by the way, is my favorite serial killer, so when I come to Illinois, you guys are getting H.H. Holmes, right, I love H.H. Holmes, not like a weird, like, sexual, like, perverse kind of way, like, ooh, I love you, no, like, he's very, very interesting, I personally think, that's why he's my favorite, but Wisconsin, figure your shit out, Right? I like you, okay? You've got Spotted Cow Beer, which makes my girlfriend really, really happy. And if she's happy, she doesn't yell at me anymore. So, I got to bear pulled on. So, like, y'all are doing good. And you guys are home of cheese. And with cheese comes cheese curds, one of my favorite foods. So, like, Wisconsin. I love you guys, but you guys also got to figure some shit out, Okay. Now, after Randall was drafted, he then received a one-year contract being set to be paid $16,000. And he would make an extra $2,000 if he caught 25 passes that fall. But, sadly enough for poor Randall, he wouldn't even make it past training camp and was unfortunately cut from the team, but I guess it was kind of fortunate that he didn't get, that he did get cut for the team, for the Green Bay Packers, because then you're tied to a fucking serial killer, I didn't fucking know this, yes, we have a serial killer that went and played professional sports, I think that's also a first on this channel, if I'm being honest, I don't, I can't think of another one, that we've done so far, so, I, 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 I don't know, what, it's confused like, Thankfully, he did get cut because, oh my god, that would have been crazy. Imagine, oh, that would have been a good story. This would be a good fucking movie. Hear me out, right? You are drafted to a team. I don't know why I took a pause. I'm kind of blanking today. I'm a little foggy and a little slow, so sorry. But you get drafted to any sports team, right? But what they don't know is that you're secretly a serial killer, so what you do is you start killing your teammates. On like I don't know that that fell flat. That didn't that didn't feel good. That didn't it felt better in my head, but once I said it out loud, it didn't sound quite right. But that's a work it's a work in progress. We'll, we'll 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 get there. Now after Randall was cut, he decided to stay in Wisconsin and lived in Oshkosh and played football for the semi-pro team there. The mano man man whoa. Manitowoc Chiefs, while also working as a press break up op- operator. God, another story time. Sorry, there's gonna be a lot of stories this episode. You guys know how I feel about press break operation. God damn it, I can't fucking escape it. This episode is literally gonna be the fucking death of me. All right, Christians, two for two. Serial killers in two weeks. Um, Wisconsin, two serial killers. One before serial, three serial. Sorry, three serial killers. One. Before, one of those three was before he actually started killing. And then fucking press break. If you know, about a year ago, where I fucking worked from March till July, or August. I think it was the middle of August. You know where I worked. You know what I did. You know how much I hated life. You know that this was my escape during those times. It was awful. It was awful. I worked at a metal shop. Four days a week, ten hour days. Five to three fifteen. And I sat at a machine. And just put parts into it. I have PTSD from that place, major PTSD. It was so boring, and so god-awful. I hated it, I hated it so much. It was the worst, okay? And when you think about it, I don't know why I stayed there, cause of how awful it was. I worked at a CNC machine, right? We know that. If, you, if you've been here for a while, you know that. And the press break was right next to me. The fucking press break. I can't escape this shit. I can't. This episode's gonna kill me. I'm gonna die. Sorry, guys. Bye. I can't. Nope. Not doing it anymore. Dusty McBalls has been now Dusty McDirtface. Because I will be in the dirt. That'll be me. How'd that sound? I think that sounded pretty good. I was totally fake crying because how much PTSD it gave me, but no, I'm being serious. I worked at a place that in the press break, oh my God, fuck. They're going to put me there. You would sit there. I'm not even joking. If you don't know what a press break is, good, but I'm about to ruin it and you should just tune out for the next two minutes. A press break, you sit at this machine for 10 days, not 10 days. Well, I mean, if you worked there extensively, well, it'd be more than 10 days, but You sit at this machine, and you basically put in metal parts, and you push a button down, and it bends the metal. And you do that. And the people that I saw that worked in that section, they would sit there for 10 hours a day and do that, right? It's awful. It's not fun. I do not recommend doing it. It is the most, like, if you like being extremely bored and doing nothing and stuff that's super, super easy, go ahead. Because it is not challenging whatsoever, and you will get bored so fucking quick. We couldn't even listen to music while we were working there. That's how awful it was. Now, I would not ever want to do that again. And I, if if you're like me and you'd like to be more um, moving around, talking to people, like you just don't want to, because I have ADHD, if you couldn't tell, this episode, it is really coming out. I am so sorry. It is really coming out. But it, it's not for you. Trust me, it's not for you. It's not. It's awful, it sucks, so just, if you're like me, have ADHD, or you just like to constantly move around, do stuff differently all the time, don't do it. You can also, if you work the press break, chop your fingers off, and shit like that, yeah. I know people that have had, well, I know people that know people that worked at the place that I worked at that actually lost fingers because of that machine. It's not fucking fun. So it is absolutely terrifying. Now, the reason, we're getting back to the story now, sorry. Now, the reason Randall stayed in Wisconsin, or the cheese state, because y'all got fucking good ass cheese curds, the fucking cheese state, was because Green Bay was literally an hour and a half north from where he was staying. So if the Packers, you know, needed a new wide receiver midway through the season, or if they wanted him to come and try out, For the team, he'd literally be right down the road and will be able to just shoot up there. Well, not literally right down the road, but, you know, close enough to make a trip out there. Now, Randall was playing... Now, whoa, hold on. What the fuck? Abel Randall? Hold on. I gotta... Okay, so while Randall was playing for the Chiefs, his teammates would recall him as a ladies' man or the smooth brake press operator. That was a bad joke. I'm I'm going to cut that one out. They also did say he was really fucking weird too, okay? Fred O'Claire, I think that's how you say his last name, but we're going to roll with it. A teammate and a roo- roommate of Randall would claim that he had a woman in every port. And as the season with the Chiefs progressed... They ended up making it to the Central States League Championship game, but unfortunately lost the game to the Madison Mustangs 14-0. After that and after the season, well, after that game and after that season had ended, Randall would then be cut for a second time in his football career and was forced to move back home after no team wanted to pick him up. So... What did he do? He packed a ball of shit and then decided to head back home to Oregon. And it's also good to note that while he stayed in Wisconsin, he had 10 incidents uh, involving indecent exposure. It did not stop and it's not going to stop. It's actually going to ramp up from this point on. Once he reached Oregon, he, you know, just, he didn't start killing, you know, right away. It's not his thing. He first started out with um, raping and pillaging, like the Mongolians. That's what his thing was. That's what he started out to started out doing. Now, when he first arrived back, he went basically from job to job, girl to girl, and his family was very, very concerned with. Randall's well-being so they tried to persuade him to head back to PSU Portland State University to try and finish his degree for physical education but he basically said nope I'm not gonna do that fuck you guys I'm gonna do my own thing I'm gonna take my own path I'm living life my way and at the age of 24 it seemed like Randall was just a lost little boy in a big world of the seemingly unknown moving backwards in his life which sucks because I know we've all been there and it's not fun and some of us some of us are fortunate to escape it and some some of us aren't which is sad but it's how it's just how the world works you know it's just how the world works and it sucks but it 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 just is now at this point it it well i'm short circuiting now at this point it is in his story it is 1975 and he's in portland and this is where this is this is when he started you know attacking women and according to the the news and the press there was a string of attacks on women carried out by a man and these women described the man as athletically built and very handsome but he was armed with a knife. This man, spoiler alert, it's Randall, would allegedly run up from behind these women, demanding them to give him everything that's in their purse. And once he was done, done stealing their money, he would then force them to give him oral sex. I don't, I don't need to say any more, okay? We all know what he's talking about and for the kids that are under 18, it just just ignore this part okay then once he got everything he wanted he would run off and never be seen again well well I mean he wouldn't be seen again until he wanted more money or another you know you know, I'm not gonna say it because there's kids listening but you get what I mean. And after all of these attacks and complaints were being just filed to the police, they decided to do a sting operation on March 5th, 1975, where they had an undercover female officer walk around in the area of these set attacks, trying to lure out and catch Sir Randall. And it fucking worked. As the female officer was leisurely walking through a park... Randall sat behind a group of bushes waiting to attack this female officer. And as she grew closer and passed Randall, he darted out from behind the bushes and pressed the cold, steely blade against the officer's fleshy neck. He then demanded money, but before he could even get the money or the, you know, the, the, the BJ, the blowjob, the, the, I'm trying to think of another slang term, but I can't think of one. Um, The officers that were waiting for him to attack, they came out of their positions, ambushed Randall, and they arrested him. He was then charged with robbery and brought to the station for an extensive interview. And when Randall was being interviewed, he told detectives that he doesn't drink or do drugs, but had to specifically tell them that he's, oh, God. He had to basically specifically, you know, tell them. He's like, I'm a man of Christ, okay? <sighs> oh, fuck. I hate this. Hold on. I need another drink. Diet Mountain Dew hits different when you're stressed. Yeah, I'm stressed, okay? He, he pulled the I'm a Christian card. So, obviously, he doesn't get anything put against him because he's a Christian. It means he's a good boy. Oh, God. That same thing happened last week, and he was a good boy, too. Get the fuck out of here. He also admitted that he had some poor impulse control issues. He also had sexual problems, and he is addicted to taking steroids. Lieutenant Paul Wetheroy, a longtime Portland cold case detective, would tell reporters that there was a conventional wisdom back in the day that someone who appeared to be a peeping Tom wouldn't elevate to more serious crimes. We've learned nothing's further from the truth. When Randall was sent to trial for his assault and robbery case, he was convicted and pled guilty to lessen his second-degree robbery charge and was sentenced to 10 years in 196 1975. Not 1965, 1975. But while he was serving said charge, he only served four years as he earned parole in 1979. Once he was let out of the Oregon State Penitentiary, he then upped his game and went from a serial rapist to a serial killer. It gets bad now. Really, really bad. Bad. After his release, he attended his high school reunion, where he ended up reconnecting with an old classmate, Sherry Ayers, who was found dead in October of 1980, raped, stabbed, and bludgeoned. Take a guess who did it? I don't need a, I don't need to say anymore. Take a guess, okay? Her death would be the first murder in a five-month crime spree in which Randall would murder seven women. Up and down Interstate 5 in Oregon... Whoa, hold on. Rewind. 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 Okay. Her death would be the first murder in in a five-month killing spree in which Randall would murder seven women. Now, this is where it gets weird, because I don't know if it was truly seven, so I'm going to say several Um, because conflicting sources started happening at this point, okay? So I'm going to say, in quotes, allegedly several women. And he would kill them and, you know, do stuff up and down Interstate 5 in Oregon, hence why they call him the I-5 killer. After Randall killed Sherry a month later, Darcy Fix and Doug Altick had been shot executioner style with the 32 caliber pistol. Now Randall wasn't charged with their murders because they didn't have enough evidence to charge him, but he was a person of interest within the investigation because he was friends with Darcy and given Randall's track record so far, only well, we can only assume that, you know, he kind of did it, right? And he eventually, well, actually, I'm not going to spoil it because we'll, we'll cover it again. So just remember these two names and I'm going to circle back to them at the end. Where did I put my fuck? Okay, there it is. Now, after these three murders, Randall would basically go on to rob every business and sexually assault Every female that worked in said business that was along the I-5 highway. Literally, no one was safe. Ice cream parlors, robbed. Gas stations, robbed. Convenience stores, robbed. Any, like, office building, robbed. Like, literally, I mean literally, no one was safe from this man. Especially the women. Now, while robbing every business that he was in, he would hold the staff at gunpoint while he would sexually assault the female staff members. Now, other than raping and robbing, there was some good that did come out of his evil deeds. Now, let me explain myself before, before, you, get, before you get mad at me, okay? Every place that he robbed and every woman that he sexually assaulted, there was always an audience. And if there's an audience, that means there's witnesses. And there was always someone that could give a very detailed on Randall. So that's, that's, that's basically the only good that kind of came out from what he was doing. Most of the victims described the assailant as a man who was six feet tall, had curly brown hair, dark eyes, and was just, yeah, just really, really built. Just massive. Not like, um, what's his dick? I can't remember his name. Fuck, forgot it. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzen, uh, I can't say his last name, it fools me every time. Not because it sounds like you say the N-word, but it just, like, I just can't say this. It's a Swartz part. I can't. I just can't. However, Randall would always throw a red herring into the mix, meaning he always had something different that he was wearing to deter the police officers from being able to snatch him up and take him to prison for a second time. Sometimes Randall would wear a bandage or some athletic tape over the bridge of his nose. He would even sometimes wear a fake beard or have a hoodie pulled up over his head to try and conceal his features. And in December of 1980, he was officially given the nickname the I-5 Bandit because he literally committed four robberies within two weeks. He first held up a gas station in Vancouver, Washington. Then, for four, then, four nights later, drove to Eugene, Oregon, and robbed an ice cream parlor. After that, on December 14th, he robbed, he robbed a drive-in restaurant in Albany, Oregon. 44. Sorry, if, you, if I don't cut out the times, it's, it's the times that I'm telling my head to remember to cut out because I either mess up or there's too much of a long pause, and it sounds awful. So, yeah, that that that's why if you ever hear me shout out a number, it's the minute that I'm looking at on my computer. So. And finally, a week after that, he robbed another ice cream parlor where he did his usual thing.' actually assault the female staff, rob the joint, and then leave. Now, despite of all the appearance altering, the police knew it was Randall due to his connections with several of the victims that were involved. They He either worked with them, were friends with them, or they were an ex-girlfriend. And for the fact that he's also already served time behind bars for doing the same thing that he's doing now. But the unfortunate thing is the police didn't have enough evidence to arrest him which kind of sucks that you can't arrest people I mean if you didn't do it and you are being arrested that would suck but if you know that someone's doing it and you know it's them like a hundred percent kind of sucks that you just can't go and arrest them on suspicion but at the turn of the new year his reign of terror would slow was slowly burped coming to an end in January of 1981, Randall entered an office building complex in Kaiser, Oregon, prowling around the corridors, 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 we're going to say that, that sounds fine, looking for his next victims. Then, he finally found them, Sherry Hull and Beth Wilmot, two 20-year-olds who worked in said building. Once Randall spotted them, he basically got to work first. Robbing them and then sexually assaulting them but this time, this fucking time, something was different. After Randall sexually assaulted you know Sherry and Beth, he then pulled out his 32 caliber revolver pistol and shot them both in the back of the head. Hull died immediately. Brain matter and blood spraying the carpet as the bullet left her brain. Sorry, graphic, I know. But Wilmot, on the other hand, allegedly survived. And I say allegedly because this is where it gets weird again. I don't know, okay? It's, it's conflicted because I read that a couple sources said that Beth didn't survive. But then I read from a few other sources saying that Beth did die. So... I, I, I don't know because on the sources that said that she didn't die, they didn't explain how she survived the gunshot wound and if she called the police herself or if somebody you know, because she had a bullet in her head if somebody discovered her and um, what's the other girl's name? Well, the other girl's name and they well and they called the police after discovering Beth and the other girl, right? It didn't say. So I would assume that maybe Beth had died. But I don't know, okay? I don't know, 100%. So don't quote me on it. That is alleged, alright? So after um, Randall left said place, I would assume he left because he wasn't found there, and I don't know what the fuck happened after that, so I'm just going to assume that he left because I can't confirm nor deny what happened. But what I can confirm is that in February of 1981, Randall killed two more people, a woman by the name of Donna Eckerd and her 14-year-old daughter. Now, when they were discovered in their Mountain Gate home in California, both of them were found in the same bed together with several gunshot wounds to the head investigators were able to determine that the 14-year-old girl was sodomized. Then, after that crime, just a few days later in Recca, California, another crime was... Com- what? What? Another crime was... I was going to say comported, but that's not even a fucking word. So, another crime was reported that was very similar to Donna's murder. Then, fast forward to February 15th, Randall then struck again, this time attacking former girlfriend Julia Ritz. She was found in the same fashion as his other victims, raped and shot in the head. And by the time February 28th had hit, he had struck three more times. Now, as Randall was going around killing and sexually assaulting these poor women, he was still doing his same old highway robberies along I-5. He was doing it all still. He did not stop. But little did he know that the police were hot on his tail and that he was going to be arrested literally three days later. March 3rd, 1982, police arrest Randall Woodfield and take him down to the station for questioning. Then... 2 days later the police would go and search Randall's you know apartment where they found a 32 caliber pistol not pistol a 32 caliber bullet and tape that he'd allegedly used to cover the victims eyes still being held in jail the police would bring the victims of his crimes to the station on March 7th and all of the surviving victims each one of them alone separately were able to pick out Randall from a lineup. And basically after that, his case was history. A lot of compelling evidence started coming through from Washington and California, as well as the evidence that they already had built on Randall from Oregon. All of the indictments and evidence included multiple accounts of rape, multiple accounts of murder, sodomy, attempted kidnapping, and armed robbery. Beaverton Police Chief David Bishop would come out and tell reporters that all of all of the sudden, it became obvious. It was the map of I-5. Woodfield was addicted to the phone. He made thousands of calls to his girlfriends. Once they were able to link Bishop to the... F- what? Bishop? I don't know why I said Bishop. Once they were able to... Link, um, fuck, what's his name? Randall to the phone calls from the crime scenes. They then were able to link Randall. Hold on. I'm tripping over my own words because I'm confusing myself. Once Bishop was able to... 52 seconds. Once Bishop was able to link the phones to the crime scene, they were able then to... no. Yeah, they were able then to, no, rewind, okay, I'm fucking tweaking for a second, once they were able to link Randall to the phone calls, they then were able to link the phone calls to the crime scene, or vice versa, right, it can go both ways, but I'm pretty sure it was crime scene, phone, phone, Randall, yeah, that's what it was, I fucking butchered that, sounded like it came from my ass, but I was trying to explain it, and I couldn't fucking wrap my head around it. Once he was sent to trial for everything that they had with all the evidence and stuff like that, Randall was only found guilty of Sherry Hull's murder and the attempted murder of, quote-unquote, Beth Wilmot if she was alive or dead. I don't fucking know because so many sources were conflicting each other. And he was also convicted of two accounts of sodomy. Then, later that same year, he was given another 35 years after he was convicted of sodomy again and weapon charges for his attack on a woman in a restaurant bathroom. But our story doesn't end there. It gets it's it's going. It's it's going on for a little bit here. So as forensic technology advanced, you know, cuz that's what happens when you start going into the future, Randall was charged and tied to several other murders. Then in 2012, the same year that the world was allegedly supposed to end his dna tied him to five other murders and these murders he was only a sus he was suspected to have committed but he ultimately was unindicted of those charges meaning they dropped them these murders included the slaying of donna eckerd and her 14-year-old daughter janelle and the killings of Darcy Fix and her boyfriend. The only murder that he was convicted of that day was for the slaying of Julia Ritz. And after that, it was basically all said and done, and Randall Woodfield ended up, after all of these allegations and all of the trials and everything for a couple decades, he ended up getting life in prison plus 165 fucking years. That is a while. That is so fucking long it is so fucking long but that is the end of our story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um Oregon, I have some bad news to tell you. I was while I was talking, I checked the stats of where the ranking is. You were second, but California took you over. So California, I would have done you today if I if you didn't switch yesterday, but you guys are you guys are getting done next week. So, yeah which I'm excited about. I'm going to be doing next week is going to be, who is it? Ed Kemper. Ed fucking Kemper, which I'm psyched about. I just learned about Ed Kemper. So we're, I'm kind of excited to see what he, what his story is. But that is it for this episode. Um, What do we got going on this weekend? Tomorrow we've got a, well, I've got an interview that I'm releasing. I'm dropping it for you guys. And it's interesting. It's going to be a part one just because the lady that I was interviewing had to leave quickly. Which, I explained that yesterday. But, yep, that's going to be coming out tomorrow. Um, I think this... What else do we got going on this week? I don't know. I, don't, I think that's it, if I'm being honest. I don't think there's anything else. So, enjoy you guys' work week. Let's get through this week. And then we can, you know... Make that money and spend it on the weekend with whatever makes you happy. Personally, for me, it's shopping. So I'm also buying a bunch of rainy day horror show apparel. I don't say merch because I think merch sounds kind of weird. Kind of makes me uncomfortable saying. So I'll be able to do that. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to sell it. If I'm going to do Etsy, which is probably going to be where I'm going to do it. And yeah, I'll let you guys know more about that when it comes. But yeah. Yeah. I hope you guys have, have, whoa, I hope you guys have had a good weekend. It is so cold here. It's like negative five today, and it's going to be like that the rest of the week. So we're going to get through it. I'm going to stay inside, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. So stay frosty. Stay foxy. Most importantly, the most important thing on this planet, stay safe, you beautiful peacocks. I love y'all deuces. (laughs)